0: Oscar Poker
1: In the middle of the summer on the west coast of Sweden We had some witches in our backs waiting to be eaten fallen trees, the sun was drifting through the leaves And you led me to the biggest lake that I'd ever seen And all of the punks in Camden could never shout about it And all of the hipsters in Shoreditch could never style it Bank
2: you want to uh, go through the guru's Gold predictions? Yeah. Just, just uh, bounce around that a little bit. Okay, so um, there are th- the, the gurus decided to split up their um, <clears throat> their spitballs into three categories. Uh, the first being already widely seen and already seen at you know festivals, and the second, uh, of course, being uh, the, the you know mainly the festival films, and the third being the. Opening in mid-October or later, that would, of course, the last category would, of course, be The Revenant, Joy, Bridge of Spies, which I don't have huge amounts of uh, excitement about, Uh, The Hateful Eight, In the Heart of the Sea. Why is nobody, by the way, talking about In the Heart of the Sea in any context? Because they don't believe that a movie that is essentially an adventure film like... um, Um, it, it's going to be, you know, partly Moby Dick and partly uh, that Russell Crowe thing, uh, Master and Commander. It's going to be on that level. It's going to be you know, yeah. heaving seas and disaster and big. Mo- be- is it because the trailer makes it look like it's a uh, uh, like a monster and not really just a big whale, but a you know a, a malevolent monster that's like twice as big as any sperm whale who ever existed?
0: Yeah, I don't have, know. Have um, no, I, I I think it's weird that I'm the only one on this list not predicting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only one. The mm. glaringly empty space of my name on the. Because you don't feel anything. It, well, no, I, actually, I, I. You know, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I remember there being kind of a negative uh, reaction to it from a test screening, right? And someone said that it wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. Maybe they've recut it, and maybe it's changed, and maybe they retested it. But uh, but I would have thought that if it was that good, it would have been released last year. So.
2: Well, it was supposed to. I thought come out sometime in March of this year and they decided that it would be uh, that it was uh, warranted uh, award season uh, opening instead and they right. bumped
0: it. Well a lot of times nowadays people don't care as much about winning awards as they do about cashing in on on the revenue uh, yeah. from the awards so I think right. that even if it's not a movie that's going to go to the Oscars just just the fact that it has Oscar buzz on it at all right. will help it at the box office so Mm-hmm. But I, I'd be curious about it. I mean, I could be the only one here wrong about, <laughs> about In the Heart of the Sea. Mm-hmm. So I guess we have to see. But, um, yeah, so these this is the hot list down here. It says, coming in mid-October or later, right. The right. Revenant, Joy, Bridge of Spies, The Hateful Eight, In the Heart of the Sea, Snowden, By the Sea, Silence, mm-hmm. which, as you pointed out, isn't being released, yeah. Concussion, Creed, and Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um.
2: Some people actually put Star Wars on the list.
0: I did. You're self included.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Why would you do that? You know that it's not. Um. JJ, for a couple for of his, reasons. I've. A... Uh, you know, he doesn't have that in mind at all. He wants to make people happy and wants to see, people see it four and five times. That's the idea to make. To, to, to hit a big home run with mm-hmm. the intended audience. and that's not, you know, the, the Academy people necessarily.
0: Uh, well, it kind of is. I mean, if you think oh. about it. The original Star Wars was nominated for Best Picture back in the 1970s. And a lot and J.J. And J. Abrams's desire is to is to go back and to, to make it more like the original. Uh-huh. And it's not going to be too much. Um, he has too much too far. He has to go to achieve what he's trying to achieve and to hit with people. Um, I think that there is going to be pressure from the Academy to pick something that's a big budget, popular uh, film. Uh-huh. Doesn't look like from this list there's anything on it that is even remotely close to that except Star Wars. Uh-huh. They're not going to pick Jurassic World, which is about to become the second highest grossing film of all time. All time. <laughs> Both internationally and domestic, not adjusted for inflation. People always say that. But if uh-huh. you adjust for inflation, Gone with the Wind is at the top. <laughs> How do you have a conversation about box office where Gone with the Wind is always at the top of the box office? But um, yeah. but uh-huh. it does it always beats and Titanic is is number five adjusted for inflation. So that shows how many people actually went to see it. Uh-huh. But when we're talking about about box office, we're always talking about modern numbers, even though it, you know ticket prices get higher, people are buying IMAX and three D. So it isn't really fair to judge it that way. But nonetheless, we make we make nonetheless we make lists and right now it's at number two. It's only about twenty eighteen to twenty million away from taking Titanic's um, record.
3: Right.
0: But they're not gonna nominate it. But at the same time, do they really want a repeat of last year where none of those movies were popular entertainment? That, that they couldn't have been more um exclusive compared to what it was the year before and the year before that so they're going to want to pick a big blockbuster yes they don't like sequels Uh, yes john george lucas leaves a bad taste in their mouth uh, uh, but it's produced by kathleen kennedy it's directed by j.j abrams it's going to make a shit ton of money uh and what do you want to bet it's going to be a really good movie i just have a feeling about it so that's why it's on my list
2: I think it's, um, it's encouraging that every time that uh, J.J.'s been asked about it, he always goes back to character, uh, backstory to uh, character-driven uh, plot turns and not just, you know, uh, whammy hits to, to generate visual excitement, but things that actually result from character. His head is certainly in the right place. Mm. So that's a, that's a nice thing.
0: Yeah, I know, and I think that with Kathleen Kennedy behind it and it having such good intentions and bringing out the old um, Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill and, and Harrison Ford, mm-hmm. you can imagine. I mean, just just try to put yourself in, in the place. Let's say the movie does a huge amount of money and all of a sudden it gets any sort of Oscar buzz. The Producers Guild are going to nominate it, so it will be on that list probably, uh, unless it really sucks. But if you start bringing out Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford... <laughs> to Mm -hmm. junkets and things like that forget Mm -hmm. it they're going to be the biggest stars in the room so um yeah Yeah. so i I could see that happening the other movie the -hmm. other two movies that might take that spot would be the martian which i have no idea if that's going to be any good or everest which you've actually seen i was invited
2: may i ask why you've not gone to it
0: i honestly i've been moving from one apartment to the other and it's i'm just me pretty much with every once in a while someone will help if I pay them a hundred bucks. And I was moving my apartment and it completely slipped my mind. I had been out working all day and I came back and um, somebody wrote me on Facebook and said, oh, hey, you missed the uh, Everest screening. I know. So fire me. I should fire myself. I really (laughs) should. At this point,
2: (laughs) I should fire myself. There were two screenings of it actually. There was one on... um,
0: I missed both. uh, (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so how was it? Can you say? or you Yeah,
2: well, aware. I can I can certainly say it's one of the most immersive and exciting things I've seen in a long time that I never <clears throat> expected to feel so caught up in the, in the in the just the sheer reality of it, even though um, significant uh, sections of it were shot in sound stages mm. at Sinechita and, and uh, in Pinewood in England. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can kind of tell when they're going that, but it, it's so well rendered, and it's the closest that I'm ever going to be to uh, on the top of any mountain, much yeah. less the, the tallest mountain in the world. And it's horrifying in, in, in ways that uh, I mean, the idea of being overwhelmed and slowly being defeated and being murdered really by, by weather, mm. by, by natural forces, and you can't do much about it and you're fucked. Uh, it's the kind. Of, it's 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 the kind of thing that you just don't ever see because, as I mentioned in during the press conference, and as I mentioned in the uh, in a little riff that I tapped out yesterday, I think it was uh, that the studios, the big studios, the ones who are that have enough money to afford to make films of this scale, they are absolutely out of the reality thriller action.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. They're in the fake. CG, you know, pushing things and making, you know, even the Bourne movies, as uh, so well done as they are, they push it, you know, they're, it's not really realistic, you know, the, the chase sequences and everything, are a lot of fun, but they're not realistic, this is so realistic, that it's uh, it's really momentous, in my view, to to be able to have something you can go to that it's that you believe, and actually did, in fact, you know, happened back in ninety yeah. six. So, so I, first, I
0: I know the story pretty well because I read mm-hmm. into thin air and I was kind of obsessed with it for a while. Mm-hmm. How closely do they um, adhere to that part of the story where a lot of human error, um, uh, some oh, of the, the... All the way.
2: They they, they they completely acknowledged that they knew of uh, inclement weather coming their way and they pretty much said, well, we'll get something, will get around that.
0: Do they have that rich woman who basically hires a Sherpa to drag her up to the top of the mountain, and she causes them to be delayed? Well, um, I don't,
2: well, know I don't you... remember a woman being dragged up. There's a, a an Asian Japanese woman possibly who is one of the people who doesn't make it. There's, um, there's
0: yeah, no, uh... she. I remember her from the story too. But no, there's a, there's some very rich woman who in mm-hmm. the in the Krakauer book who. Mm-hmm. You know, really had no business being out there, and she and she was so desperate to get up to the top that she did risk everybody's life by going having a sherpa sort of drag her to the top, and then dra- okay. I think she survived.
2: The whole thing is that it's it's too many people trying to get up at the same time. Uh, they they somebody forgot to install ropes uh, mm-hmm. at, at, the, yeah. at at a couple of key places that slowed everything down. A lot of just sitting there and waiting. Mm-hmm. It's a business. Everybody's looking to make their sixty-five thousand dollars per client, and um, it's you know the inevitable happens.
0: Um, no, sure. Well, because it's it's this idea of you know it's one thing to get to the top, but it's it's always coming back down where everybody starts to die because they run out of oxygen right. mm-hmm. if they get caught up in a storm, which is what happened here. Mm-hmm. And so the 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 really the world's most famous climbers, Rob Hall, he's one of them, right? He dies. Yep. Um, and the other, another guy dies, and they're, they're um...
2: I'll tell you, there's a <laughs> a thing that people are going to be riffing about. And I want to get into it too much because the official uh, thing is you can't talk about it until very early Tuesday. So I don't want to do a yeah. whole thing on it.
3: Mm-hmm. But
2: but Keira Knightley, who plays the wife of Rod Hall, Rob Hall, who's played by um, Jason Clark, who's mm-hmm. excellent by the way, mm-hmm. she is the kiss of death. You know, <laughs> the more the wife talks to you and say, "I love you," "I miss you." Please come home. Please be safe. Every time she drops one of those phrases, you hear yourself saying, you're he's dead gonna... now. You are <laughs> You are so fucked. You, don't even... well,
0: you know what? You can tell that from the trailer because just the mere fact that they're casting her at all is <laughs> you know he's going to die. Well, I mean, you know anyway, but like you know he's going to die because why else would Karen Knightley be back home on the phone? Why would they pick a yeah. big star like that to
2: have? That's pretty much it. That's exactly what it is, and it's and it's and it's like okay, we see it. Yep, okay, no question about it. Yeah. And it's and it's just uh, you
0: know. Oh, it's exciting! Uh, I can't wait to see it. I'm so sorry I missed not it. Not to those. mention
2: the, the big IMAX thing, the three D. It's one of the best uses of three D. Yeah. I, you know when you know when three D is really wor- working, you don't really see it as three D anymore. It just seems to be the natural thing. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it, it's it's very good. 3D, which is that it doesn't uh, hit you across uh, the face with dimensionality. You're supposed to notice things that are, that have popped out of the, they don't do that at all. It's just, yeah, it's you know, it just feels natural.
0: No um, one's talking about Everest going to Telluride, right, but someone did mention to me that it's going to be in Telluride, that I can see it there. I don't know if that's right or not, but that's what they said. Better. They said better you see it in Telluride than, than these screenings because, uh-huh. You'll get to see it in full, you know, maybe it'll play the the Herzog and um, it'll be 3D. So well, have as long you... as
2: we're being candid here, um, I think you, I, what I heard from somebody who stays at a certain condo uh, developing up until you ride, is that uh, Universal has bought or blocked out or mass booked many, many, many suites in this particular building.
0: Okay, there you go.
2: Now, would they... <laughs> book many, many suites this much just to bring in people who are there to uh, promote uh, Steve, Steve Jobs? I, I think probably not. I think this might be something else. But it's definitely not legend, because that's not going there, from what I hear. Just so well done, and it's so immersive. And I, this is the closest this is amazing. I feel like I've, I'm almost there. I mean, I, can, I feel almost mm. out of breath watching this thing. Is
0: it like Gravity?
2: I think it's much, much more involving than Gravity, because Gravity has to use the Sandra Bullock uh, personality and and catering to her fans, Mm. and it doesn't have Sandra Bullock going, ah, (laughs) ah, ah," over and over. You know how many times she does that, makes that sound in that movie? Even the first time I saw it, I was getting really irritated. Can she do something besides, besides, ah, ah? You know, she's tumbling through space, you know? (laughs) she wouldn't stop it because you know the women out there are going. oh that's me that's what i would be doing yeah i don't know i don't know either i didn't it's not engaging you don't want to hear this you know because but they want you to do something while you're you know head over here but that that was uh this is on a whole load. this is real this happened this is a real mountain this is what snow is like uh this is what uh low out you know the death zone that's what they call it oh i
0: know i know it's the most terrifying thing and in fact that day held the record for deaths until this last earthquake knocked out
2: uh, That's Nepal. Right. 18 and, people or something, yeah, the last one?
0: 18, 20. So yeah. weird thing about Everest is it so epitomizes mankind because here it is. It's like we have this desire to get to the top of the world's highest peak, you know, and it, mm-hmm. it costs a lot of money. You have to be rich to get up there, Fifty to $60,000. You're on the backs of the Sherpas. The Sherpas take you up there. You cannot do it without them. Well,
2: that's not in the movie. They're not being on. and You're saying on the backs. That sounds like they're, they're No, little- no.
0: I'm just saying like they depend on the Sherpas completely, but then they go and take all the glory, right? But then at the same time, Mount Everest is littered with not only dead bodies, right? Not only all the refuse, The the oxygen tanks the tents yeah. the, everything they leave behind because they have to discard it on their way down right. but human feces frozen for all time huge pile of shit on the top mm. of the mount Everest. right <laughs> these turds and nobody cleans them up because well there
2: i had i think there have been a couple of cleanup mi- uh, missions or or uh, uh, there's uh, the character who all plays he uh, is uh, actually was on a uh, a cleanup mission they go up there and they actually try and take stuff off but- I understand that, but that, that is true. There is a lot of clutter and refuse.
0: Yeah, it's refuse. gross. I mean, how yeah. long do they expect this to go on? Another 20 years? Really? Like, uh, how many it's more just, dead bodies are going to be frozen up there?
2: Yeah. You know, uh, Rob Hall, as we speak, he's up there. He's never going to be, you know. Yeah. All these bodies are up there. And, but they're never going to biodegrade, so that's one thing, which reminds me of a really moving moment in Fred Zinnemann's film. Uh, it used to be called. Maiden, Maiden, and then they changed the name of it. It was, it was out in 82. And uh, a woman had lost her fiancé who fell into a crevasse when he was very young, early 20s. And she, of course, time moved on. and She was in her 70s or 80s, and they found him. Somehow the ice had shifted, the natural forces. Uh, he had, somehow his, his body was found after... Uh, absence of five or six decades. And there's this woman whose hair is snow white and whose face is, is naturally, you know, the, the face of an 80 something year old or 70 something. And mm. there he is, um, a child, you know, 22 years old. And they, it's really moving.
3: Wow. Uh, yeah. Well,
2: five. Why can't I remember the name of that? It used to be called Maiden Maiden. And it was something, not five days one summer, but it was something like that. You you don't even know what I'm talking about. No, right?
0: but I I always admire your um, your knowledge of film. <laughs> you know, you know so much about movies, just all kinds of movies, old movies. Your, your reference, your your mind is like an encyclopedia. It just blows my mind. Um, well, thank
2: you. For, oh, here you're right. You know, I'm, I'm I'm right. Rather, it is called Five Days One Summer. That sounds so languid, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like nothing you particularly want to get out and you know see right away, but that's what it's called. It sounds like a very passive experience. John Connery is in it. Lambert Wilson, he's the guy who dies. Betsy Brantley, who I don't remember very well, but that's that's something I'd kind of like to say because I remember thinking, boy, you know, Fred Zinnemann really has together. Uh, it, it it was disciplined and well cut, and uh, he was a, he was always one of my favorite directors.
0: Yeah, absolutely, he was a great one. Um, okay, so let's let's look at the movies that have. Yes. I know we, we keep slow. We have to, you know.
2: Yeah, we keep doing this. I know.
0: So the movies that, that the gurus. But the reason that David Polland separated it this way is because yeah. Ann, Ann Thompson had last year decided that she was she was not, and she's doing it this year again. That she was not going to predict.
2: Yeah, films I, I she, that. She good... hadn't seen right. So, yeah. Yeah, sure.
0: um, I followed her last year, and I we talked about this last time. I did okay. it, and it, I bombed out. So now I'm doing it back to the old way, and in fact. I think it's it's you'd be a, you're a better predictor when you don't predict movie, only movies you've seen or I am anyway because my own head gets in the way a lot of times. I I overthink it and I have too high an opinion of of industry voters because at the end of the day they pretty much do follow a certain pattern and if you can predict that pattern you can predict the Oscars. So um, you know, you and I and everybody else are kind of looking at like, what what's really going to pop? What what looks really, really good? You know, more so than, okay, what are we obligated to check off? You know,
3: uh-huh.
0: but at any rate, so that's why he, did, he decided to divide it up. I, I don't think that the next time he does this, he's going to. I think he's going to go back to the old way because it's kind of too lumbering. You don't really get a good snapshot of what people are thinking. You just get this kind of you know, clumsy footing. But, but what's interesting about it is that the in the past, if you go just by movies people have seen, Carol is on top, Inside Out is number two, Mad Max is number three, Youth is yeah. number four, Brooklyn, Sicario, Love and Mercy, Ex Machina, Everest, Straight mm-hmm. out of Compton. Now, most of these movies, you know, won't see the light of day at all with Oscar. I mean, of all of them, okay, forget Inside Out, it's never going to happen. Mad right. Max might right. maybe... I would sure
2: like to. That's a such a well-made film. Does does craft mean anything? It should really, really be. I know that you know why because no reason at all other than the fact that it came out in early summer. That that's right. Immediate dismissal. That's so not appropriate and so not fair.
0: Well, it would be interesting if it, if the Oscar race looked different than what we're expecting. If it was made up of more of these big-budget movies. Mm-hmm. So if. You know, big budget, big box office. So if you had Mad Max and then you also had Everest and then you also had Star Wars and then, you know, I mean, that Mm -hmm. would really change the face of the Oscars for the American public. They would actually be interested in it more so than they would be if it's all these tiny little movies that they haven't seen. So it's sort of a balance, I think. In in an ideal world, the Oscar best picture lineup, especially if you're going to have more than five,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: it should represent a balance, a spectrum of films, not just the same kind of movie over and over again. I
2: I agree. I uh, respectfully disagree. I think that every best, best picture lineup at the end of the year, it's smart and it's appropriate and it's wise to include one big, at least one big popular favorite. That is also... Uh, uh, respectable and deserves um, the attention because of how well it's been made and how mm. you know how how much it delivers. It's got a big impact, and we all like it and all that stuff. But you can't uh, try to cater too much to the mass audience because they have no taste. They really <laughs> don't. I mean, <laughs> well, they fun- do
0: if if you're talking about movies that are well received, like Mad Max, that also made a lot of money.
2: It did, but it didn't. It didn't storm the box office. It did right. very respectably. Right, exactly. But most people went to see the Avengers and all the other. You know, they right. really—it's not a, an outlier opinion that that the mass audience has never, even in the, back in the '30s and '40s, they've never been. They like what they like. You know, I mean, I'm not trying to be a Jonathan Rosenbaum. Type elitist I am really don't like that that way of looking at films. You know, only we uh, hold the keys to the kingdom. Only we have the sensitivity to discern the best film. I don't agree with that. But they don't. The mass audience is something. If you cater too much to them, you degrade. You lower the stock value of the Oscars in general. You can't. I mean, it's already been low. It already is lowered as a matter of course. When with films like *The King's Speech* winning, but if you lower it more, you know. And try to, what were you suggesting, like blending?
0: No, I'm just saying that in the early days of Oscar, actually, they did pay attention to successes. For instance, um, but not not when it came to picking winners, only when it came to picking nominees. They would include films and people that made money that they also thought were good because they kind of had the luxury of doing so because the public was involved in the process. They were, it wasn't just what it is now, which is a, a race decided by critics and bloggers and scene stirs, you know, long before the films ever get, any sort of public attention. And the, what the public thinks doesn't matter at all now, where it used to matter. It used to matter where even up to the 70s and 80s and 90s, it mattered what the public thought. Quentin Tarantino.
2: Oh, the Vulture interview? Yeah, yeah. the
0: Vulture interview where he was talking about movies that are, mm-hmm. you know, these Oscar, he calls them Oscar movies, where it's his own separate genre of film that has sprung up now because of the date. He doesn't say because of the date change, but I happen to know that that's why. Because things have been crushed and crunched into a tiny period so that the public isn't really... Involved so much. It's just kind of decided by publicists and critics and stuff. And so he's talking about movies like Philomena and, you know, movies that that normally that aren't going to stand the test of time. <laughs> the kids are all right, you know. <laughs> so I kind of went after him because they all happen to be movies about women. Right. Except one, The Town.
2: He also said that Kate Blanchett movies are all yeah. of, a, of, a, of, a, of a type. You right.
0: Know? And you you wrote about it, too. Mm. So um, he commented on my website on that piece and um, I got his email and I wrote him back and I just said, you know, thank you, you know, for commenting and here's what I think about it and he wrote me back and he said, "Well, okay, so we now we know that there's a new genre of movie. That's this invented Oscar movie. This kind mm-hmm. of, you know, thing that isn't really making a public impact. Nobody really cares about it. It's just designed by the studios to make to win Oscars and to be in the race and to make a little bit of money and, and forward people's careers and stuff like that. These aren't his words, by the way. So please don't (laughs) quote him. I'm, I'm paraphrasing our conversation.
3: Right.
0: Right. Um, but, but I think that's right. And I think it's wrong that the public have been taken out, even though at the same time, like the public's tastes have just been dumbing down for the last 10 years in a really horrible way. Like almost, I look at the box office sometimes and I just think, how is it that these movies are at the top of the box office like they're just terrible but they're they're feeding us you know generations who really have no time for the kind of movies we're talking about and they don't care so somewhere in between is a happy medium gravity was one you know um Mm -hmm. all those hundred million dollar films that were the year that it was uh in 2012 um in 2013 i think like life of pi and those kind of movies that made a lot of money Mm-hmm. That's the middle ground. And I think this year we're going to see a lot of that. So we're going to see um, there's Mad Max, there's Everest, maybe, there's Star Wars, maybe, there's maybe the Revenant's going to be one of these. Most um,
2: likely the Revenant.
0: Yeah, the Revenant will be big. And, and each new one that comes out that's big is going to obliterate all the others. So, like, you know, that's mm-hmm. why Mad Max has, is going to struggle because of movies like The Revenant and Everest and all these other late-breaking big movies that are going to take those spots. So.
2: Because in, in people's <clears throat> minds, they tend to assign <clears throat> uh, the idea that of one kind of film can be a Best Picture um, uh, nominee, but not more than one of that type. So Mad Max, Revenant, and, and, um, and Everest being outdoor adventure uh, Man in the Elements, mm-hmm. uh, fast cars, high uh, high mountains, that kind of thing, right?
0: Right, and the Hateful Eight will be up there because he's he's big with pop culture. Um, so you know, we don't know what the end of the year is going to look like. We don't. I just can guarantee you, probably it's not going to look like the Guru's first list here, which is mm-hmm. Carol Inside Out, Mad Max, Youth. You know, it's not going to be all these right. movies that are that are popular right now that people have seen.
2: You just have to keep pushing and hoping and plugging for for things that you know are are going to be. It's not a matter of opinion. Uh, I know that that people are going to be able to uh, appreciate and and really get into uh, uh, Paul Dano's performance in Love and Mercy. What are the odds that he becomes a a, a nominee even? I mean, it's just not fair. It's not right. You know, the gods do not approve of the way this thing is going to shake out. It always seems... You know, I, there's very few times when I've been as uh, as touched by uh, an emotional, delicate, you know, sad guy performance as that one.
0: Uh, and I wouldn't be so quick to count him out. I don't know why you're I, counting him out. I think he I has. Just,
2: I've, I sense that it's going to be you know the usual, you know we've we we've, we've done all this the, the the people that we that we suspect in the best actor. Uh, area are probably, you know, already elbowing people aside. And there's the assumption. Right,
0: right, right. Well, because then the buzz and the sexiness and, you know, what feels new and fresh and, you know, they always, that's why people try to shove their movies till as late as possible. Only nowadays Mm. it can't be too late, not for best picture anyway. Um, But I, I still am holding out hope for Paul Dano. I think that that movie is special. And I think a lot of for one thing, a lot of Oscar voters are going to have seen it at the very least. And a lot of these movies at the end, they're just not going to have seen.
2: Um, Pete said, by the way, that the very first screener uh, for anything went out three, four days ago. And I just forgot the name of it.
0: Well, w- w- no, you didn't tell me, but it would have been probably Love and Mercy, right? Something like no, that. No, it,
2: it wasn't that. That's what I was thinking. If the, I were them, I would, I would get it out pretty soon. Was
0: yeah. it The Second Mother by chance? Probably not that.
2: Um, Here we are, wondering if we can get our brain cells to engage <laughs> so we can remember this.
0: Well, you're, you're the one with the information that you forgot. <laughs> I never had it to begin with, <laughs> so I have an excuse. So what do you make of the whole The Lady in the Van thing?
2: I couldn't be less interested in <laughs> seeing that film, much less. Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to know. I don't want to know from homeless people. I don't want to know from <laughs> Uh, I, you know, it's not because it's it, it'll do one of two things. I don't think that it's going to do the first thing. The first thing is that they make the homeless person a fount of wisdom, and they're uh, and they're more special than anybody would suspect, given that they have no home and that their life is unstable and they have no job, and they're kind of you know the uh, the, the the kind of a the, almost like a Tinkerbell on some level. They're 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 a giver of gifts. They're a spiritual beacon. And that's bullshit in terms of what homeless people tend to be like. Their their personalities tend to be uh, uh, they're they're you know always a little pissed off. They're obstinate. They're demanding. They have an issue. You know, there's always an argument of some sort. And of course, they they want this and they want that. And they're and they're desperate for what they want. And but it's not the most pleasant thing. And and it's in fact it's never a pleasant thing. It's just because it's it's unfortunate and it's sad. And you don't want to be cruel or dismissive, but at the same time, you really don't want their company, and I don't want their company, hmm. frankly, in a, in a movie. No.
0: Well, the only thing that intrigues me about it is, uh, is that it was on stage for so long, and it was such a huge success on stage, and now it's a film. So that makes me think, well, maybe there's more to it than what we see in the trailer.
2: You know what the story is, right? She just basically uh, took up residence in front of uh, his home, and um, she stayed there. For 15 years, I believe, then some kind of city regulation um, stipulated that she had to move. And he allowed her, he asked her, he invited her to uh, basically move her van into the the garden in the back of his home. And that's where she Mm. lived until she passed.
0: Well, there has to be some sort of arc. It can't just be that simple, right? Um, mm. oh, okay, so another movie I heard was really good, mm. and I, I can't say how I heard it, but it was Creed. Did you see the footage from Creed at CinemaCon?
2: Yeah, it's actually pretty, pretty encouraging. I thought it was, um, I was saying to myself, this is good. Uh, you, know, it's, uh, it, you know, the more it focuses, uh, focuses on, the, on the young lead, uh, I was in um, 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 Fruitvale,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, it'll be good. It'll be good. Oh, by the way, the screener that I was speaking of, that has already gone out is "I'll See You in My Dreams."
0: Oh right, okay. With with Blythe Danner.
2: I didn't get it. Did you?
0: No. Did you see Forty Five Years yet?
2: Have one or two, and I believe it's actually. Is it playing as we speak? I'm not sure. I heard that it
0: was going to. Well, Michael at Your Tellur- Michael. Um, I told you about from um, Telluride yeah. Film Blog, right. Michael Patterson. Um, he said that it's probably he. He's predicting it to be going to Telluride and. The only thing I know about it is that Anne Thompson has it currently predicted for her best picture, and she
2: but she's seen it though, and she wants to stick to only those films that she has. Yeah, seen. but she
0: dropped Diary of a Teenage Girl, for instance, and replaced it with 45 Years. So, mm-hmm. and everybody's talking about Charlotte Rampling. So does that mean that's another? You know, I mean, we're going to have a lot of these veterans competing for that slot. So we have, um, we're going to have her. We're going to have Blythe Danner. We're going to have um, uh, Lily Tomlin and Maggie Smith, like, is it going to be five old broads?
2: <laughs> Again, the, 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 the criteria is that you, I think you probably have one old broad or at the most two. Well,
0: sure, of course, that's how the Oscars go. They like their women young, you know. Yeah. They, they for, for I mean, I'm not. Youngish. Youngish, that's just sort mm-hmm. of the way it works, and I mm-hmm. don't think it's fair. I just think that's the way it is. And uh, mm-hmm. so I don't think that they're all going to make it, so are they all competing for that one one spot, you know, and who's going to get it?
2: I don't think it's gonna happen with maggie smith i i i see i definitely can see because i think she's cool and i would like to see her uh just around is um is um lily tomlin she's gonna be great um she is she is pretty good i don't think the movie's great but she is really good she's a lot of
0: good and it's a really good character um yeah
2: piss and and vinegar and all that so Uh,
0: okay so we could, we could be theoretically looking at a year where all the Best Picture nominees are big Oscar movies again. And it's not going to be the little movies. It's going to be movies like The Revenant, Joy, Bridge of Spies, The Hateful Eight, all these down at the end here. Maybe Creed, maybe Star Wars, maybe Mad Max. You know, And the littler movies are going to have to fight harder for their slots, I think.
2: May I say something about The Hateful Eight? I've, I've said it many times, but apart from the fact that it's all interiors except for the first 15, 20 minutes, it, the thing that has my attention, and people that are really, uh, you know, serious cineasts, is how it's going to look with the ultra panavision 70 uh, cinematography. Can, do you know what that is? Can you just say right off the top? Because I have a, you don't have that uh, much interest. I've heard you on this before in aspect ratio. So you're not mm-hmm. really. Are you sure, or do you know?
0: No, I, I, there's only one area I can think of where size matters to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's not aspect <laughs> ratio. <laughs>
2: Ultra Panavision 70 um, is a much wider than wide widescreen process. It's almost, it's not quite, but it's almost three to one. Mm. Whereas uh, your standard widescreen or Panavision CinemaScope is about two, three, nine to one. The standard Academy aspect ratio, regular, no big deal, is one, eight, five to one. And then there's the older films from the 30s and whatnot that are one, three, seven to one or one, six, six to one. Does that mean anything? I mean, you know what I'm talking about when I say that. It means the ratio of height to width. The width is the bigger number. So 166 to 1 and so on. So 276 to 1 is huge. I mean, that's really, really wide. So it's going to look really cool if you see it in a big theater, the right kind of theater somewhere. I guess the the dome would be a good place.
0: Sure. That would be fantastic. I hope that they screen it there. Or the Academy Theater, right? The Academy Theater itself is really huge. Except they're going
2: to have to... uh, you know, show it in a way that kind of crops off the top and bottom of, of the available screen because again, it's so wide that it's going to be exceptional. It's going to be a different thing. They're not going to be they are not going to install more screen physically at the academy. They're—they're they're going to alter the image. Oh,
0: that sucks! I can't wait. I want to see it in its original format. Um, he did say that if film goes away, he'll stop making movies. Quentin Tarantino. So if they stop providing him with actual film and he has to go digital, he says he'll start writing novels.
2: Then he's going to start writing novels because I don't think uh, there's any uh, other than the, the the passionate cultists like himself and Chris Nolan and uh, you know anybody else uh, Scorsese you know they all they all love the texture and the and the blacks and the things you can get from film they're they're in love with it and I'm not saying they're obviously not wrong to love it mm. but it, it, we all know that it's uh, it's being basically held up by this what club of maybe. What ten directors? Fifteen directors? Right. Would love it. Um,
0: right. That's that's like uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, Christopher Nolan, Quentin Tarantino.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Those are the film guys. That and purist. Quentin knows
2: he's not stupid. He knows exactly that that the Alexa that they shot the Revenant on that's going to look wonderful. Mm. It's gonna, looks it's going it's, to it's something you want to literally take your clothes off and take a bath in once mm. you see it. I mean that's yeah. the way I felt when I saw the the trailer. It's it's and there's not a thought of, of not a moment's instant where you, where you think well if this would only been shot on film it would be that much more enveloping you know and I right. don't believe that at all. Do you know anybody that that actually thinks that when they see a beautiful image it doesn't look it all looks like film it all looks like this hybrid of digital and film.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't um, I, I don't agree with that. I, I think I told you this a long time ago, which was that um, you know painting is the same way. People get all hung up on oils because they think they can't. You can't get the same effect with acrylics or watercolors, but the truth is, you can. You just have to be good enough at it, and uh-huh. Uh-huh. you have to really know how to blend color. And it's the same with with digital film. Like if you look at some people, some um, photographs people shoot with Leicas, those incredible digital cameras, um, you can't tell the difference. And in fact, the digital looks better than film. The best film cameras. Um, I mean, you you have to be basically be Ansel Adams or someone like that, Man Ray, for it to be. And even those guys, they wouldn't have let the medium stop them. They would have just continued on with digital if that was what was available to them. We,
2: we live in such a, a, a digitally, technically robust age. There's a shot that I took without trying anything in particular. It was of uh, my train ticket from Paris down to, to Nice on the, on, the, on the train. And it was my tan suede shoes on either side. And all these little tiny pebbles, of varying sizes and it's kind of this ground down clay dust that is on the ground in the Place de Vosges in Paris. And I was just looking at that shot, it was just not, nothing special, but the detail and the texture you can get from the shoes and from the, from the, from the sand, the clay dust, it was amazing. And it's mm. just, just stare at it all day long. It's beautiful. Mm, yeah. and, this, and this is something that I can't imagine a, a, a film even under the most exacting circumstances, it would be, be able to deliver anything better and more interesting than that. Than that, you know, of that particular subject matter. You know,
0: and plus, you have to adapt. I mean, and no matter what you're doing in life, you have to adapt. You can't just stay stick to the old. It's just not. Um, yeah. It's not smart. I don't think in any way, in nature and in art. You you know, you have to adapt and and improvise and overcome. hmm
2: So let's just go over the the festival run that we it just. Come on, let's just be bold and stick our necks out. And what do you think the Danish? What do you sense? What is you know totally all the anti Anne Thompson in our opinions here? What are you sensing from the Danish girl? What do you think of I'm next?
0: sensing that it's going to be the only Tom Hooper movie that I
2: will like. Okay. Well, here's why I think it's going to work for me personally because it's about. Um, I real if I didn't realize this until about three four days ago, it's really about. Um, uh, uh, Alicia Vikander's character, uh, staying in love with uh, Eddie Redmayne's character, who becomes uh, known as Lily Elba. It's it's about the the love story, the marriage, all that continues. Maybe even is stronger because of the transitional trauma of moving from male to female, but she's in love with him. I think is what happens, and and they don't bust up and. They're there for each other, and she's there for them, him, and vice versa. So that's a touching thing, you know. For that, in other words, it's not really about the transition; it's about the emotions that traverse and, and deal with that transition.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because the the two examples of trans people that are in mainstream culture. So there's Transparent, right? Mm-hmm. The show Transparent, wherein he is still, you know, he's still straight. He still sleeps with women, and his wife, I think, and uh, had been with him through all of this while well, he was he was dressing um, up as a woman, you know, as himself, herself, whatever, mm. in, in private, but not in public. And then he, he came out as a woman. She came out as a woman. Um,
2: well, who are you speaking of again? <laughs> what couple are we talking about?
0: Transparent, that show on Amazon, Transparent. Did you ever oh, watch I haven't, Transparent? Oh, that
2: one, yeah, with... Um,
0: Jeffrey Tambor? Jeffrey
2: Tambor, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. great, it's great. You, uh, you threw me because he is... Sleeping with women?
0: Yeah, just just straight. He's straight. She's he, straight.
2: I mean, she's... He's, he's obviously not a, a ladies' man type. He, you know, he's Jeffrey Tambor, you know. But old. I'm just
0: saying that throughout their marriage, she knew
2: this about oh, him. Oh, he was a, he was a hound, you're saying, an unfaithful.
0: No, he he dressed up as a woman during their marriage, and she but knew I'm this. I'm
2: asking, look, they had, are they married or not?
0: I think they divorced, but it's not because of that. You know, like he still sleeps. He's still going to sleep with women. I think there's. He even sleeps with a woman on the show. Uh, and then Caitlyn Jenner also same thing. Still sleeps with women. So uh, the you is know. that
2: is that something that he has said in an interview? Because mm-hmm. he yeah. You remember he when he spoke when Caitlyn spoke with Diane Sawyer. He said, "I've never really had any kind of gay like feelings. You know, not right. you know. I've never acted in any. I mean, I, I don't even know if I've really had any." And she she goes. What do you mean? You don't know? Either you have, or you haven't? He goes, well, I, let's just say it this way: I'm not, I'm not a gay man, you know, so I'm not thinking about guys. And his uh, quote that came out of an interview about three days ago, four days ago, said, "I'd like a, a man to just love me, and without any of the big deal about focusing on transgender, just you know, just somebody who would love me."
0: Well, then I'm confused because I thought yeah, that. Go
2: so he said, you know, he's transitioning, though. He says, "I'm not gay, but he wants a man to be to care for him without." any of this focus on who he is in the reality show.
0: Well, yeah, that's weird. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I just, I feel like somebody on Twitter said, why don't you guys have a trans person on your show so you can talk about it with more, um, you know, from a more educated standpoint. And I think that's a good idea because obviously you and I don't know, you know, hardly. I, I, I am in the dark about it. And, um, uh, in terms of like what, what, how you, how you divide sexuality from Mm -hmm. gender. You know, is it is it totally divided? Is are they united? <clears throat> if you're a man, are you automatically supposed to be either gay or attracted to women? Um, but if your gender, if you if you feel like you were born um, a man, a woman, and you mm-hmm. have to change over to become a woman, mm-hmm. you know, are you then a lesbian? If you're attracted to women? Uh, yeah.
2: In other words, <clears throat> which is what Larry <clears throat> Larry Wachowski is. He was kind of into women, but as a as a as a woman. <clears throat> Which you saw in Bound, that was like very, really great girl on girl action in that. Mm. And then when Larry transitioned, he was he took up with a woman as a as a kind of a lesbian thing.
0: Larry, right? So he he didn't his sexuality didn't change his sexual preferences didn't change just his gender her that's gender. Right. That's
2: right. Okay. That's what it seems because I know he did hook up with a woman. He's never right. been.
0: And some guy. of the some of the young trans girls that I know, trans women that I know, are uh, trans boys, who are becoming boys, transitioning into boys, still are attracted to boys. They're just attracted to them as, as a man, not as uh, a woman.
2: Right.
0: So then they'd have to choose gay a gay man.
2: Uh-huh. Well, what do you think the average uh, Donald Trump voter thinks? <laughs>
0: They think it's the end of days. They're already with their guns, ready to just, you know, start killing. Did you watch that? I know I sent you that Donald Trump, but did you watch that other video where the, the weird Donald Trump supporter was like, get out of my country to the, to the uh, Ramos? And Ramos says, "I'm an an American citizen," you know, and he's. Did the, the guys like yeah,
2: he's just... after the press conference? Right
0: after, was... when he's out of the room, some big thug with a Donald Trump button on. I, I don't know if oh. he works for the campaign or if he's the mm-hmm. one who threw him out. But he was like, "Get out of my country!" It was pretty mm-hmm. chilling.
2: They do think it's end of days. They do think that uh, when are we going to make a stand and, and bring this country back to the days of right? You know, Dwight and, Eisenhower and whatever. You know, we got to we got to do that somehow because this is. We're going over the cliff and we're going to be all, you know, you know, there's it's, something wrong yeah, with, uh, with, with, you know, being so concerned with transgender issues when much bigger things are happening. You know, so yeah. that's how they think. That's how they see it.
0: Absolutely. And, and so in a weird sort of way, so do the liberals like they're the progressive liberals want to go bring the country even farther to the left, which tells me that we're either headed for a civil war or the country is going to swing the pendulum back to the right. I mean, we, we do share this country with a lot of different kind of people. The, the progressive liberals think it's kind of only them. But there's a huge country and a lot of voters, and they don't want things to keep going in a socialist direction, which they already think it is going. Because of gay marriage, because of, you know, the stuff with Caitlyn Jenner, because of Obamacare. They're just freaked out. And so the last it's thing just, they're going they is... to want to do is... They need to
2: age out and and just die and go away. Because they're the people like that, if they, they're they freaked out about culture issues, that's what the 04 election was.
0: Well, they haven't aged out since the Civil War, so when do we expect that they're going to age out? Well, they, these guys have been around, passing it from generation to generation, and they're going to continue to do so. We live in a sharply divided, scary country where... Uh, yeah. You know, really, we should be uh, divided. We should be two countries at this We really
2: point. should. Bubble land could, could be <clears throat> its own country. And that would be a really good thing in many respects. I honestly... Yeah,
0: Trump not- could be the president over <laughs> here and Bernie Sanders could be the president over here. And <laughs> I want to live in the blue state. I don't want to live in the red state. I'm fine with Bernie as the leader of the blue states.
2: You know, it sounds like we're being, um, uh, uh you know, sar- sarcastic on some level, but a, <clears throat> the Czech, uh, Czechoslovakia became two countries and they and you can drive between them and it's not a big deal, but they're two separate countries.
0: Right. It's That's like East, that. yeah, it was like, it was like, uh, Korea or, you know, that they're yeah. two different countries and they're very, very different from each other. And I really think somewhere in the middle of those two extremes is an ideal America, I would think, but, um.
2: You know, if Bernie Sanders, by some miracle, was to be elected, he wouldn't just obviously wave his hand and, and say, uh, this is what I want, we're going to do it. I mean, he would just have to punch it out like Obama has been punching it out all these years. And it
0: will get him nowhere. Obama could barely get anything passed. And, and Bernie's a socialist Jew. He's a Jew and he's socialist. Like, there's no in way. democracy.
2: Uh, Sasha, you shouldn't keep saying the word. But it social- doesn't
0: matter what we think; it matters what they think, you know. And this isn't.
2: But when you say the word "socialist Jew," uh, okay. first of all, "Jew" means kind of lefty, communist, socialist. No, I
0: mean Jew of the Jewish faith, as in never been elected to to the presidency before, as in they think that the scary.
2: Oh, oh yeah. There's never been a Jew at the White House. And the and sure. the
0: racists think that the Jews are worse than black people. Mm-hmm. Seriously, they do. I mean, the the oh my God, can you imagine? People, Mm -hmm. the only reason that they're not attacking him is because they don't see him as a threat. But the second he becomes a threat...
2: Absolutely no debate about this. The earth is dying because of the right and because of the corporations. That's right. It's not not arguably being changed. It is dying because of those people. And Mm -hmm. why
0: do we have a red Congress? Because Obama got in and the right were ignited to fight Mm -hmm.
2: him. And that's
0: exactly what's going to happen the next term. If people don't vote... And you say, okay, maybe they'll vote for Bernie Sanders. Yeah, probably not. You know, they're probably not going to. They're gonna do just what they did with Obama. It's like I'll put a bumper sticker on my car. I'll click mm-hmm. Facebook a bunch of times, and then I'll go home and watch, you know, Breaking Bad.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, I throw up my hands at it. I don't think that even Hillary will be blocked on things she tries to do if she gets in by some miracle, but. Um, I, don't I don't
2: think I don't hope she doesn't get in. Believe me, this is playtime. Like I said, playtime is playtime. I I signed up with her team last week, um, and I I said I'm a I'm a Hillary person, and they immediately jumped right into my inbox with you know okay let, what what can you do to help?
0: We went way off
2: topic. Yeah, we're uh, okay. Let's let's just quickly uh, go, go down the thing. We we were starting to talk about how you. <laughs> What do you feel about Danny Store? What do you feel about Steve Jobs? Let's just do a real quick thing. You're, you're in, you're, you want to see? You sense it's going to be. What do you? you yes, feel I,
0: people- I, I sense a good, a good. I, I trust everybody involved in Steve Jobs. Put it that way. I don't. Right. Danny Boyle's never made a bad film. Right. Even so, his worst it, hasn't been that bad.
2: It is, however, a um, uh, another. It's basically Social Network Part Two. It's mm-hmm. about, you know, the he's a prick. He's not terribly, um, uh, you know, compassionate, but he's necessary, and he moves our country along, and he excites an industry, and he, uh, he inspires millions of followers. So there's that, you know. Yeah, it, it's also
0: on. also one of my pet peeves is British mm-hmm. actors playing American, like. I know it's stupid to care about it, but I I just can't stand listening to them try to do an American accent. Even the best ones, like Kate Winslet or, you know, Uh, Rosamund Pike or any of them, I can just hear it. It's like trying to stuff an elephant into a suitcase. Like I can just uh, hear them trying to curb their vowels and it always takes me out. So the fact that it's Kate Winslet and Fassbender, you know, why not hire American actors? But anyway, it's fine. I'm sure that it won't be that bad. If he can really do an American dialect, then it'll be fine for me, you know
2: and what do you think about spotlight which is basically pretty familiar territory uh uncovering or the the first serious uncovering of of uh, malicious child molestation within the catholic church mm-hmm. by the boston globe is this going to be like well like, i guess we've kind of seen this before or is this going to somehow in you know animate and re- re-energize this our our interest in this topic because make it feel fresh like it's something that's just happening for the first time
0: yeah really looking forward to that one that one's right up my street i can't wait to see it so that's probably you know steve jobs and spotlight are probably the two i'm looking forward to the most i'm Mm -hmm. kind of curious about black mass Uh, that looks uh that looks pretty good um i look at that
2: though yeah
0: i mean we don't know what the telluride lineup is you guessed and uh, michael patterson has guessed at the titles we think it's going to be we think they're going to be, um, but oh, we, don't we don't know, know what we they know
2: are. Bla- we, do, we do know Black Mass. It's been called a uh, Canadian premiere, hasn't it?
0: Right, Black Mass. and then the Beast- Spotlight, too, I think. Right? Spotlight and Beasts of No Nation, probably, yeah. is going. Yeah. So if you're looking for best picture, it's probably going to show up at Telluride. I'm just, I'm just trying to look at the movies now and you're, think...
2: You're going back to your old stratagem about it has to be at these... No, places.
0: I don't think it has to be, but the chances are pretty... High. Let's say the 90% chance that it's going to be right. there.
3: Right.
0: So, you know, I'm, that's the most fun part of the year for me is when the balls go up in the air and, you know, you juggle them and see which ones are good, you know. And it's funny because you always come out of Telluride thinking, ah, we didn't really see our winner. But then they always rubber bands back to something we saw there. It just always uh-huh. does uh-huh. or it has in the past. So maybe that'll be different. But, um, yeah. but you have to look at something that's going to be exciting enough, you know, alive enough to, to sure. go all the way hmm hmm Steve Jobs what do you might think, be.
2: Are you, what do you feel about the thing I wrote about about Tyrod being such a difficult thing to jam 13, 14 mm. films into, th- into two and a half days?
0: It's impossible. At, <laughs> it's almost impossible. For me, it's going to be... Finished, you know? Yeah, right. And we, well, we don't know, first of all, we have to say, we don't know exactly what's going to go. But, um, but well, yeah, it's you... it's going
2: to be about 13 or 14 films that are going to be of very high interest. Now, you can dismiss... As I mentioned, Carol, and You Can Dismiss, Son of Saul. You saw that in Can, right? Mm-mm.
0: I have to see that one. So oh, you I'm going to see it. it, yeah. And I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, that's basically the idea is that um, uh, you know, you really have to just, you can't spend a lot of time partying and dilly-dallying and going around with people. You have to sit down and write. And you have to write late at night, and you have to write early in the morning, and you have to bring your computer with you and write during the day You know, to, to get anything out.
2: And it's, it's, and I wish there was more abundant Wi-Fi in, say, the Herzog Theater. It, it, are is there? I don't remember if there, there is, but I've,
0: there is not.
2: They should, they should have that. Just like they had, you know, in Cannes, you can buy the Palais Wi-Fi anywhere you go in that entire complex. If you buy, it's expensive as hell. But once you bought, once you have it, <clears throat> it's wonderful because you can write anytime, anywhere. Wi-Fi is not
0: very good in Telluride at all because of the mountain area and so many people.
2: All right we fucked this one up but we I guess really we, uh... fucked it up
0: but I'll try to... <laughs> We talked about politics the entire time
2: <laughs> sometimes it's like we're on the, on a ski slope and it's like okay you, you, you take the, the stride and then I'll do it no, we're kind no. of like going in and out of our it's wonderful but sometimes <laughs> we just kind of like hit trees and fall down <laughs> we
0: got a clumsy start this time
2: I liked a lot what you were saying about um, it's really quite scary given that they're all trying to, to take her down I, I'm, I'm just having fun With what I love, that's all. I'm not trying to. I don't want to see her go down. She's a good person. I like what she's about. No, but
0: I feel like every day there's a story. Like you know, people should be worried. Hillary's taking a fall. Her numbers are falling and falling, and she she's still at the top of the polls right now nationally. But people keep saying Bernie Sanders is catching up with her. Like, why would they want him to catch up with her? (laughs) Like that's such a bad idea.
2: Because they feel it in the context of the of this time frame. When it gets real, and it's like, are you gonna actually? created a w- an opportunity for Donald Trump. You know, well, that's Greg- it.
0: They, they have their best warrior yeah. with Hillary, and, and I'm not I'm not even 100 percent convinced that she can beat him. I don't know. He's scary though. He's like Hitler. I think we should be he's, very worried about
2: him. He really is. He's Greg Stilson. He's he's all he's a terrible. I, I I wasn't aware that people were so stupid as to actually say. And what they're they're responding to is that he just doesn't give a shit. He'll just say anything, and that's they right. they feel the same way. You know? He's a
0: liar. You know, in in. Um, in that book, the stand, um, the Dead Zone by Stephen King, yeah. Greg Stilson, he was a Bible salesman. He didn't read the Bible. He didn't care about the Bible. I mean, I don't either. But I'm just saying, like Donald Trump pretends like the Bible's his favorite book. He can't even name his favorite verse in the Bible. You know, he never read the Bible.
2: Of course not. Of course not. So
0: he's he's a he's a, just a dangerous dangerous man, and I hope that he takes a fall pretty soon.
2: But, I'm. Um, it, it really is getting scary, and, and it's really possible because if she doesn't arrest her you know she dropped in iowa bernie's within eight points they, they were way apart before they know?
0: were but that's just one poll you know one poll is like 300 people you know what i mean like that we can't pay that much attention because i mean yes it's probably a bad indicator that he's raised he's going higher in iowa but the press is just jumping on her like she cannot cut a break and you know, people could only support someone for so long before they feel the stink of failure on them. And then they start, their opinion starts to change. Yeah, it's mm, the same right. way in the Oscar race, you know?
2: Yeah. No, so that's an astute point also. That's actually, you you like something, but so many people keep ragging on it. And after mm-hmm. a while you start to lose the, the fervor. Yeah, that's yourself. right. The,
0: the excitement, the shininess, the, you know, it's all wearing off. But so to me, this is like, to me, the big bummer season because I'm just watching this train wreck. And it reminds me of the 1972 election with Nixon where he took down Edmund Muskie because um, mm-hmm. Edmund Muskie mm-hmm. was too threatening. And he right. won He won in a landslide. Nixon. hmm Yikes. Yep.
2: And the country was delighted. And so was Sammy Davis Jr., for that matter.
0: <laughs> Remember that All right. hug he
2: gave Nixon? At the-
0: <laughs> okay, we have to go. But I will see you the next week. State. Until you're right, I'm leaving on the first and driving.
2: Uh, the first being Tuesday,
0: mm-hmm, really? Believe it or not, yes.
2: what are you going to do? Get there Wednesday night, right?
0: Oh yeah, or early on the third
2: So you're going to stay for two nights on the way and yeah, then get there on the third, because that's when I get there around the early afternoon on Thursday.
0: Right, and that's I don't want to I don't want to roll into town too late. I want to be there early, so we're going Me to sure. try that. Okay, cutie Pie, Well, I will see you next week. well thanks okay bye thanks for listening to episode 107 of oscar poker with jeffrey wells from hollywoodelsewhere.com and sasha stone from awardsdaily.com we will be back next week with another episode and the bumper music was let's go swimming by aloe darlin and colorado by front country thanks for listening
1: Stay.